The inbounds pass comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win it! They win it! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One to 100. Lead pass. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the new rebranded Call the Comeback Alphas, Three Alphas podcast. My name is Joe, and I'm joined by my other two alphas, Dan Meehan and Ross Reed. What's up, boys? Happy Mother's Day to happy your mothers. Happy Mother's Day and happy good morning, fellas. And uh, happy early graduation to Dan. Oh, thank you, Ross. Is it official? Yeah. It is official. I'll be graduating on Tuesday. Ooh, I, get, I get to break out my, my fireman joke now. Oh, boy. Right. Here we go. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm prepared to be disappointed, <laughs> as every right. other person in your life is with you. Oh! But doom. I mean, I can't really... I have no comebacks for that because it's accurate. <laughs> Ouch. Now I'm sad. <laughs> anyway, and, and that's, and that's and that's a wrap for the show for, for today. Um, we're gonna, I'm sad now. <laughs> we can start calling you Lil Wayne because you are the fireman. Oh, God. I, oh, oh, God. Okay. So moving on. It was, it's not even so bad it's good. It's so bad it's bad. But yes, moving, moving on. Cheers. Uh, we have a couple on this dates that popped up before we started the show. The first one, and I'm going to kick it off to Dan because he is a huge fan of this player. What happened huge. on this date in two, was it 2000? 2013. So that would be the 2012-13 season, right? That would be Nate Robinson pinning LeBron's layup off the backboard in the Eastern Conference semifinals. Oh, good God, yes. All five foot nine of little Nate got up to the square with Bron Bron and pinned that, pinned that layup. We're not going to talk about the outcome of the series. We're just going to talk about that small time in, in history, just that time frame <laughs> where Nate pinned Bron Bron's layup. That happened. Miss you, Kryptonite. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't bring him back. That still boggles my mind. He wanted to come back. He was good. They and he was some, cheap. And he cheap. <laughs> and they didn't bring him back. And that's still... And anyway, I am just kind of went off on a tangent there. But still kind of... Like, I understood not bringing Bellinelli back. But Nate Robinson actually, you know, helped you win, win that meaningful. series. Doesn't he own the Bulls record for most fourth quarter points in a 
playoff game because mm-hmm. <laughs> like, he went crazy yes. against the Nets that same year. He does. And the, my fa- Darren, the Darren Williams led Nets. One of my favorite moments from that series is after uh, the Bulls won game one, Samuel L. Jackson's infamous tweet that the Bulls are not bending over. And <laughs> I thought that that was fucking great. It went downhill from there, but still. Yeah, we're not going to talk about the rest of the series against Miami that year. We're just going to talk about Kryptonite going crazy against <laughs> going crazy against the Nets in the fourth quarter and then him pinning LeBron's layup. That's all we need to talk about. <laughs> I was true story. I was during that series I was on quarantine before quarantine was a thing because I had bro- I tore my Achilles um a few weeks before and I was laid up in in the house on surgery so I got to watch that whole game series uh from the house on crutches in, in a boot. Wow. That, that's, that's um not... I mean at least you got to be you couldn't even get jump jump up and down out of frustration or excitement. No. You just had to sit there. <laughs> you had to lay there with your foot propped in the air on a pillow. Yeah, you know, could be worse. <laughs> It's one of the last times the Bulls made the playoffs, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> it is. It is. We have another on this date, too, I believe. Right, Ross? It is. This is, unfortunately, the... Uh, so, a couple days ago, we had the Derrick Rose game winner uh, anniversary where he banked it off the glass, and he had that infamous uh, meme where he had that uh, <laughs> emotionless... <laughs> celebration and then this is the anniversary today of when uh lebron hit that clutch shot in the corner um after david black called a timeout that that team didn't have and the referees just didn't decide to call it which should be a uh a i believe it's a technical foul if you call a timeout that you don't have yes it is so that that was i you know had the bulls won that game yeah shout out to chris weber um, had the Bulls have won that game, they definitely would have won that series. That was one of the backbreaking uh, plays in, in, in Bulls history, in my opinion, because I thought the Bulls really uh, – that was an underrated team that year. I know a lot of people talked about the team where when the season they rose towards uh, his ACL, but I thought that team was very good, and I thought that the, the Cavs were, were primed for it to, to be upset that year. I thought Rose was having a good series, and, uh, boy, I, I really wish that – that LeBron shot never went in. Don't we all? I was uh, I wasn't actually watching that game. I was uh, at a family get together, and we were following the game on on my phone, like a, as a game cast. And I think they were up double digits going into the fourth, and he felt really good about it. Went home, and then turn actually turned on the game. So you guys can blame me because I think when I turned on the game, that's when the tide turned in the the fourth quarter. But at the timeout. I don't know how the ref didn't see it because he was looking right at David Blatt. And not only that, David Blatt was out in the fucking court. Mm-hmm. He was literally out on the court calling the timeout. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just – I don't know how I felt before LeBron shot. I just remember not feeling good. <laughs> like, it was just kind of – you felt it slipping, slipping away. And I just sat in front of my TV for about – I maybe I'm exaggerating, but for like a half hour, just numb. Just like that was your shot, right? That was, mm-hmm. and I don't. I didn't watch the the fourth quarter of that game. Did uh, did Rose and Butler? Was it? What is? It, was their chemistry as bad as what people made it out to be? Like, yes. was it, yeah. they were not helping each other out. No. Yes. That was. If you remember, that was post injuries. Derrick Rose, who, you know, he he 
kind of thought that that was his still his team and, and you know with good reason but he was definitely a different player and that was the emergence of Jimmy Butler who absolutely thought that that was his team that yeah and, that was Jimmy Butler becoming Jimmy G yeah that, that was that time frame right there and those two guys just did not you know mesh well together which you know it's funny it, you know it, you could, as we kind of transition a little bit it, you know you look at the chemistry that that Michael and Scotty had for all those years and the reason why they had so much success was both of those guys knew uh, their lane and they knew, you know, kind of who they were as, as players <clears throat> on and off the court. Right. Cause Scotty very well could have been a number one player on a countless amount of teams around the NBA, but he, he decided to be that, that, that secondary player. And, and, and probably I call him the best number two guy of all time. I, I don't think there's a better uh, number two player than, than Scotty Pippen. And it's, it's Eric Snow disagrees with you, sir. Eric Snow, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it sucks that Derek and, and, and Jimmy never could finish, figure that out because they, they could have been damn good together. Yep. It's like we've talked about on the last show. It's they're, they're always that one player away. Mm-hmm. That Derek got, Jimmy developed too late. Derek got hurt. Mm-hmm. And like, <laughs> could you imagine if? They had that Jimmy level player next to Derek instead of Keith Bogans. Right. Oh, I raised I raise you, Eric Snow, and I push my chips in for Keith Bogans. And then I double down on you and go Booby Gibson. Oh God. Booby Gibson. Doesn't he have like a really hot wife? Booby Gibson. Wife, his ex wife is uh is Keisha Cole. She's a R and B singer. No shit. He was married right. to Keisha Cole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, he had like some sort of dime piece wife for being a guy oh, yeah. that was like a ninth man off the bench. Oh, yeah. Dude got game. Well, he kind of had game on the floor, but he certainly had game off the floor. He had a nice shot. He had a good, yeah. Went to Texas, right? Did, did, was he with Durant at Texas? Was that the same? Or was, was he a different class? I can't I remember. Know. I know he went to Texas. I just can't remember if he was, if he was with. Second round of of the 26, 2006 NBA draft. So, so I don't think he was, not with, he was not with Durant. No. I'm no. trying to figure out where he went to college, Texas. I don't, I don't know if he went to Texas. I'm finding out Joe. He did go to Texas. <laughs> he went to Texas from 2004 to 2006. Why don't you trust? You need to trust. I don't know much, but the I, don't trust, you know I don't, I don't, I don't trust. Matter. a hoe. Don't trust a hoe. Why? Cause it rhymes with Joe. Yes. Don't trust a Joe. He actually did average almost 12 points a game one year, though, in 2010-2011. He could shoot. It's just like Danielle Marshall. I guess uh, Big Z. Uh, there's, I mean, you know. God, there's so many of these guys. Like, I was actually talking about this with my, my buddy the other day. How many guys like Craig Hodges, Steve Kerr, the Barry brothers, Booby Gibson, Delonte West, which, God, I hope he gets the help he needs. But mm-hmm. these guys that were specialty shooters almost – that just missed the boat because the league has changed so much, so rapidly in such mm-hmm. a short amount of time. Even look, even, you know, I think people tend to, to, um, uh, devalue the, the kind of player Larry bird was like Larry bird was a damn good player. He's a top 10 player of all time. And I think a lot of people forget that you look at his statistics even back then when guys weren't taking three-pointers, and it was absolutely insane. Today, 
Larry Bird would be taking eight to 10 threes a game and he'd average 35 points a game. He was just an absolute monster out there. You know, guys like that just completely missed, you know, the, the, the era that they, they were in. And still, I mean, Larry was still very successful. He won uh, quite a number of championships in Boston, but boy, you know, if like, you what, three him, MVPs, right? Yeah. He was just, I mean, Larry and magic saved the NBA before Jordan showed up. Yeah. And he did just, People, I think, appreciate Bird, but then you see some of his when his highlights come on, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not surprising because millennials are dumb. Well, actually, I'm a millennial. What, what, what's the next generation after millennials? What are they Gen, Z. Gen, Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z people are dumb. No offense to you guys, but you are. You don't know what you don't know. Um, they say like, "Oh my God, he could he could <laughs> pass." That is a sentence. You don't yeah. know what you don't know. Trademark. Thanks, Hawk. Thanks, Hawk. You're welcome. Thank you. Hell yes. Uh, but he could pass. He could like they were like, oh my god, he could. Yeah, he was a complete basketball player offensively. Six nine, Mar- rebound too. My buddy Marcel always, or not my buddy, Mar- my buddy Marcel. Yeah, always brings up that if you really watch him, Larry and Magic were essentially the same dude. Hmm. It's just Magic could pass a little better and Larry oh. shot better. That's really where it was. But it's like, if you really want to be honest, Larry could pass. Mm-hmm. He was a he was a good distributor. He had good court vision. He's a great basketball player. The dude won like two or three MVPs and a, a bunch of titles. Like, I don't know why so many people are so quick to dismiss him. Maybe it's the whole being white thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think that we're we we see a generation now where. If they if they didn't see those players, they tend to uh, dismiss them, and then they tend they tend to just look at box scores and stuff like that. And that's just literally not how you do it. So, you know, there, there's you know, there are a lot of players that you know even if you look at a guy like Jason Kidd, who as he ages and, and people tend to forget about his career, people are going to forget how damn good he was because they're just going to look at box scores and be like, ah, eh, you know, you know, was Jason Kidd really that good? Was he? You know, as good as I don't know Chris Paul or something like that. You know, stuff like that's going to come up. I tend to believe if you were to pit those, just those two you you named Ross and and Chris Paul and and Jason Kidd. If you were to put pit them against each other, like in their primes, I would lean probably Jason Kidd is winning that game, winning that one on one battle. But. You know, maybe that's because I I have a soft spot in my heart for a kid being only a twenty nine year old man. I remember mm-hmm. kid as a when I was younger. Jason Kidd was absolutely terrific basketball player. And Let's it's... just not talk about his coaching career. <laughs> I'm not going to bring that up. No. Um, and kind of go into that too. Yeah, you guys are right. How like I I did I remember this is kind of we're not going to talk the last dance very much, but just kind of touching on the fact it's just um what like what's your actually let's just do it just for just for a minute what so far we're six episodes in right we've got mm-hmm. episode seven and eight tonight mm-hmm. when jordan retires white Sox episode uh yeah it's, and by the way it's sunday so if you guys are wondering why we're saying tonight we're recording on sunday um so we're actually gonna you're probably gonna listen to this after you watch the last dance mm-hmm. but um what are you guys' thoughts overall on what you've seen so far uh, I mean, it's been really just a stupendous job well done to the producers and directors and everything. It's it's really good. Like mm-hmm. there, and 
I mean, obviously you can tell it's catered a bit to Mike and there's certain things I'd love for them to touch on more, but they're not going to because this doesn't get the green light without Michael, you know, and he's letting them say some things, obviously, that you probably wouldn't have heard before, but there's, I'm still like as great and well done as it is, I still want to know more. Because there's just certain things you're not going to get the full story on because they're not going to lo- allow it to be aired. Like, what's an example for you? Right. Do you have one um, on the top of your head? Off I mean, we'll, we'll, let's just use the White Sox episode for tonight. Are we going to get? Are they going to get into it all? Why he was gone? Are oh. we going to? Are they going to allow the conspiracy theory to take place? Or are they just going to say he decided to retire and just felt he had no, no, not much left to prove? Sure. And they kind of talked about that stuff last episode a little bit and you know the conspiracy theories are out there but you know I, he he told you kind of the last episodes look i was mentally and physically drained like it, it i mean you you kind of can see it right the guy was playing like a hundred games a season for like seven eight years straight right and i mean he was just absolutely exhausted and i think he i think he was exhausted and then you you add in the fact that his father was tragically murdered just months before and he probably just didn't have any left in the tank. And I don't know if they're going to go into this tonight or not, but I think the only reason why Jordan came back for the second 3 P run was he saw how watered down the league was. You know, they had two expansion teams at that time, Vancouver and Toronto, and just the talent was not as good as it was in the late 80s, early 90s. And he was like, right, he was like, shit, I, I could... I could come back and give me another championship. And he did. We, we saw him do it, right? Like, if if that Orlando team was the best that, that the league was throwing at you, Jordan was like, I could beat these guys, no problem. And, and, and the, you know, we saw that, you know, the, the first real year that Jordan came back after he was filming Space Jam, he, he ended up sweeping, uh, I think the Bulls swept the Magic. Uh, they either swept them or they, they won in five. But, I remember game one, they blew him out by 40 points. And Jordan was just like, I'm going to make a fucking point here and, and show you that Shaq and Penny are not, not, not it right now that I still got the juice. But, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I think tonight you're going to see that, you know, Jordan, um, for the first time in his career, struggled with something. And that's with the baseball stuff. He was not a very good baseball player. But it's kind of crazy that he was still able to hit above 200. I don't know if that that's fair at all, or if you guys would agree or disagree. I sorry, mean, to, it's sorry to interject above, on there, Ross. No, you're fine. I mean, well, hitting it, hitting in the, do, in the minors. I think most of us in this in this podcast would agree. The single hardest thing to do in sports is hit a baseball. It's mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. He did it two out of every ten times he went up to the plate. That's hard. But by when we say he was bad at baseball, I think we're more saying to the other people in that chosen oh, profession. 100%. Hell yeah. Yeah. Like, and I think a lot of times when people hear that, like, you know, you'll be talking in a bar. Oh, well, you, he's a professional. He's clearly not bad. You know what I mean, shit dick. Like, you mm-hmm. absolutely know I mean that he's bad in comparison to other people at that chosen job. Like, for instance, Tim Tebow is a bad baseball player. Mm-hmm. The only reason he's still in AAA with the Mets and will probably get a call up at some point this year is because he's Tim Tebow. Any other That's guy would probably be cut loose by now. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I mean, you know, and you know, people 
you know, the, the baseball run and, and, you know, I, I remember Jordan buying the, uh, he played for the Birmingham, uh, black Barons, Barons yep. which was the white Sox, double uh, a affiliate. And he, um, hated their, their, uh, their, their bus so much, the bus that they took from, from game to game that he actually bought the team a, a brand new. <laughs> That's amazing. Which is just absolutely uh, an amazing flex. Uh, by Michael Jordan, but you know the you know the, I, we're gonna get you're gonna see the 45 stuff tonight. So you know the, him you know kind of wearing 45 uh, in the minors and then coming back to the Bulls wearing the 45. I think you're gonna see a lot about he uh, OPS 556. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> he just was not a good baseball player. <laughs> That's um, terrible. I think, I think some of the stuff I would want to see is is more of the relationship that he had with his dad because he was super close to his dad and his the, his dad was the reason why he played baseball. His dad loved baseball and and his dad was on the record saying, uh, "I wanted my son to play baseball over basketball." I, I imagine the father of the greatest player of all time saying, "Well, shit, I kind of wish he was a center fielder instead of a shooting guard." Yeah, that's an interesting uh, dynamic too, Ross. Um... Because it, it kind of gets—I don't want to say glossed over, uh, because you know James tragically passed away, and was it ninety ninety three or ninety four? Ninety three. It was right after the Bulls won the won the this title against the Suns. It was during the off season. Uh, his dad was driving a Lexus in in North Carolina. Um, he actually had cash, and uh, they they gave James a championship ring back then too, and he had the championship ring in the car. And he was shot in uh, in the car on the road. Um, and we're, oddly enough, the ring and the cash was still in the car with James uh, Jordan, which, which is why a lot of people think that it was a uh, maybe a mob hit. Yep. Two guys were yeah. uh, two guys were arrested for the murder and charged, and and they are still in prison uh, for that murder. Wow, that's crazy, man. Yeah, and Jordan did not retire from the Bulls until like the day before training camp started. I think a lot of people forget about that is, you know, Michael, he, he, the Bulls were supposed to show up to training camp. It was like late September. uh, And the day before they were supposed to show up, Michael's like, I'm out. I'm not doing this. And he, he stepped away from the game for 17 months. I didn't know he retired that late. Yeah. I, I didn't, thought he, I didn't I thought know he, that either. I thought he retired like shortly after the oh, wow. they won their third title. Nope. It was it was the day before training camp. I will never forget that because it was it was literally the the biggest shock in all of sports. The, so did uh, you know? The, 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 I think I think close would be when Magic uh, retired after the Bulls beat them in the '91 Finals because he had contracted HIV. That was also a shock. I didn't. Wow, that's kind of. Did uh, they're going, they're going to go into it tonight? I know they are. So mm-hmm. I'm going to learn more about it during the uh, the last dance episodes. But did the were the Bulls aware that he was leaning that way, or was it you know just kind of a bomb dropped on Kraus and Reinsdorf and the and the team? So it was it was it was a bomb dropped on them. But a lot of players, um, and I think they talked about it in the last episode. The doc kind of like mentioned they they, they knew he was tired. They knew he was mentally, physically tired. Um, you know, remember he he had all that that mileage on his body from playing all those games, and then you know the media was kind of taking a toll on him. Remember the Sam Smith book had came out by then, the Jordan rules, and 
you know, a lot of people think that Phil Jackson and Horace Grant kind of snitched the Sam Smith and told a lot of Jordan's personal stuff. And, you know, Jordan just really became, you know, really closed off more than ever to, to, to the, to the outside world. This is a guy who, you know, basically he would just go to practice, go to a game and go home because where the hell else was he going to, was he going to go? He's literally the most famous person in the world. And then now the media is turning on him. He was just exhausted. So, I think BJ Armstrong uh, was the most vocal out of anybody about it saying, you know, I don't, Michael was just tired physically and mentally. There was no conspiracy theory stuff about, you know, him stepping away from the game. He just didn't have it. Yeah. I mean, it's just the same thing. Like I, I think you're right to an extent, Ross, especially because at the end of episode, what was it? Six last week, right? Mm. He he's in the hotel room. I think he's in like his Dago and a, and some shorts and he's just saying, like, people all think this is the best thing in the world. And you can tell he's just so mm-hmm. – he's just drained. Yeah. Like, he goes, nobody wants this. Mm-hmm. You know, no one wants this level of fame. And I can imagine, to an extent, nobody really does. Like – And I don't think he was looking for sympathy either with that. And what's no, interesting he, is – No, like, I don't think he was looking for sympathy. I think he was simply stating he's just – he was ragged at that point. He was run absolutely ragged. Yeah, and I didn't mean to insinuate anyway that what you were saying, Dan. I was just um, oh no 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 no. I was just clarifying I, my thoughts. No, just for our viewers though. I I don't like Dan very much. We do this podcast together just because we have to, and <laughs> Ross is kind of the linchpin. Uh, we definitely have. Wait, I thought we established I was the glue guy two episodes ago. Fuck you, taking my Luol Deng title away from me. Um. <laughs> I hate when you knock me. Yes, this is why I don't like you because you knock me off track, and I have the memory of like, oh, that's one hundred percent true. Absolutely. But yeah, when he was in that, that was a. You know how we're getting back on track as a podcast when we start thinking similarly. Well, I can't believe that that came out smooth. I thought I was going to botch that word. You did your best and didn't fail. Congratulations. That Illinois State education, hard at work. Heartland Community College, buddy. Oh, Heartland CC. I didn't go to Illinois. I went to Columbia for a semester. So La- last chance you for Joe. <laughs> we used to call it Rab Road University. Or that's uh, like when smart, we moved up to Joliet. College. All the people that graduated from my high school called Joliet Junior College, UCLA University, closest to Larkin Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, College of DePage is College of Dreams. I know that one. Yeah, uh, Moraine Valley Community College is PU Palos University. It's pretty good. Back to Jordan, real quick. Sorry, we got off track. Actually, not sorry. You know, you got to be able sorry, to hang on. Sorry. We're like a we're like a roller coaster ride at times. Yeah, this, Hold is on Ross, life, this, right? Ross, this is why Ross is better than us, though. This is what he does. <laughs> As he just smirks, not saying anything. But yeah, when uh, Jordan oh, was man. Jordan was sitting there in that hotel room, just there's a humility aspect to him. I think that he recognized his stature. The same time, do you, are you sure you'd want this? Like, it's crazy, right? He had the the world in the palm of his hands. I, I, honestly, he did, right? Like, the, one of the most famous people in the world. And he's like, you know, this sometimes I, this shit ain't worth it. I, I have no normal life here. And the thing about Jordan, what I think amazes me is I there's a document a documentary on Hulu. It's like the band, the uh, the AJ ones. I don't know if Ross, if you've seen it yet. Um, it talks about the Air Jordan 1s and how the NBA technically, well, David Stern says they didn't ban them, but they banned the the red and black colorway when they first came out with the Jordans. Yeah. 
and it's a great documentary. They have a whole bunch of a whole bunch of people in there that talk about it, and um, including Sal Masakela, who used to be on MTV. I, I didn't even recognize the guy when he first popped up on the screen, but um, it's just almost like Jordan didn't even anticipate. Nobody anticipated this meteoric rise for his brand, and he trailblazed everything for everybody. He was the he first straight icon. Up said he didn't want to be a part of Nike. He didn't want to be there. Yeah. So it's all, it's kind of nuts, right? The, how everything aligned. We talked about it a little earlier with right, um, right game, wrong time, right? Booby Gibson, uh, like the, the three-point shooters who would be more recognized today than they were back in the day. I'm paralleling this to Jordan a little bit, but he didn't anticipate this, right? Like nobody did. It was all just an organic kind of a mess of a situation and it just took off and he was kind right of the, guy right time the counterculture right the counterculture played into the shoes too like they were banned that made them even more of a, of a commodity and it's just it, it just i the more you look into it it's like this is he wasn't supposed to be this good his brand was never supposed to be this like he trailblazed everything for everybody he had no crew he had no posse like he did this by himself and he shouldered everything while also competing for titles. And I don't want to build this guy up to be some sort of fucking hero. It's just it his ability to compartmentalize everything for what he was taking on. Still to this day, I don't know how the hell he was a psychopath, I know that. And that's maybe how he was able to do it. But I don't know if I'm the only one who feels that way. I just I the more I read about him and the more I see it, it's just like, how the fuck did you keep this shit together, man? I don't know. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, that's it's wild. I think you're going to hear a lot more about the some of the negative stuff coming out tonight and tomorrow. I mean, this is a guy who punched Steve Kerr in the nose, you know, during practice because he didn't like the way he was guarding him. He's this is a guy who told Horace Grant that he couldn't eat after a game because he he struggled. I, I mean, you know, this guy was, you know, he like you said, he he was a, he was a psychopath, but that's what made him so great. What do you, what do you, Dan, you want to say something? I can tell you want to say something. I, I'm not saying nothing. <laughs> Go ahead, man. <laughs> no, so. It's a free country I, and a free podcast, I think, so I turn you no, off. No, <laughs> to like clip your mic, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I got to lighten up on the swear. This is supposed to be a family podcast. Well, no, it's not a family show. I put, I, when I, when I, when I post them up on a, like SoundCloud or whatever, I say explicit content. So anybody who's listening, no. <laughs> I called Pete. I called Pete from Rosella shit dick. I called, you know, I called myself a bitch. <laughs> Come here. But um, no, it's to everyone's larger point. Like he was the perfect guy, the perfect time, and the perfect wiring to handle all of this. He, you know, he's this got. He's this good looking guy. He's great at his job. He's. Part of the he he is on the leading brand or what became the leading brand of basketball shoe in the world, right when the league exploded. I'm not sure there was another guy who could have handled that load in terms of the successes, the turmoil that came with those successes, and the mental makeup needed to handle all the successes and the trials and tribulations that came with it. Like there's certain guys that had a certain mentality. Like I, the, the Charles Barkley is one of my favorite players of all time. I love Charles Barkley. 
but even him wired the way he is that the I don't give a shit kind of attitude that he had. I don't think even his mental makeup was built for that. Had he been that, you know, I think the only guy we've seen close to it is LeBron, right? Cause you know, you think about LeBron, LeBron was on the cover of sports illustrated at 16 years old and you know, his high school games were on ESPN and, and Vincent St. Mary, right? Right. You know, the fact that he lived up, I mean, LeBron is probably one of the few guys that actually lived up to the hype, like from an early age, you know, not even Bryce Harper has lived up to it, you know, cause Bryce Harper was kind of in the same boat, the same way LeBron has. I'd be curious to see, um, you know, if, if Michael would have been able to do what he, you know, do what he did in, in this new era, in a 2020 era where social media is everywhere and, and people a little bit more, hypersensitive uh, about things. Uh, imagine that Horace Grant story getting out today. I, I mean, Twitter would explode if, if let's say LeBron James told, uh, I don't know, uh, who's the guy on the Lakers right now? Uh, name a guy, Dwight Howard. If LeBron James told Dwight Howard, you can't eat food after a game because you fucking suck. I, I mean, like Twitter would just absolutely explode over something like that, you know? So you know, Michael came, you know, thankfully at the right time, uh, in the right era. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun to, to look back and, and see all this because that man was Mick Jagger. He was the biggest rock star in the world. I and also would he, like to point out, we, yeah. Joe straight up said, we're not going to talk much about the last dance and we proceed to talk it's, about the last dance for 15. Once again, I was going to bring up that same point. It's, Thirty it's, seconds. It's, I swear, I promise, I was. It's 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 the best. It's the best cultural event that we have right now. It's it's the closest thing to sports that we had, other than the UFC going on last night. So, which that yeah, card I, was a hell of a card. It was. It was. How can you not? Uh, how can you not talk a lot, a lot? You know, so much about the last dance. But you know, we could talk about you know a little bit on on Jim Boylan here, right? Because you know it, we 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 start to see Joe Cowley who. Obviously, we know uh, Boylan is his his source. Says uh, Joe, and jo- Joe is nothing if not Joey basketball, so he yeah. knows all. I agree. I agree. I, I think I think Boylan speaks to Cowley over anybody else. But you know, Cowley was was tweeting. Uh, I think it was on Friday saying that you know Karnashovis and and Mark Eversley are, are leaning towards obviously getting rid of uh, Boylan, and a couple of the key players have have expressed their frustration. Uh, to to uh, new management about Boylan, but uh, ownership and and Paxson still likes Boylan. But you know that I think he's getting that stuff from Boylan. I like the fact that you know that Karnashovis and Eversley are already kind of you know putting it out there that we don't like this guy, and I think it's just a foregone conclusion that he's going to get uh, fired as soon as we get some more information about what this season is going to look like in terms of finishing and, and then the timetable for next season. I mean, you're not wrong, Ross. I mean, didn't, wasn't it, I think it was Sham Sharania who put out a tweet like a day or two ago saying that Bulls front off, Bulls upper management isn't happy with, with Boylan, like the new management, mm-hmm. whereas the senior advisor and the ownership group like him, mm-hmm. you know, so who matters? You gave Karnashovas power we like this guy. We hope you evaluate him fairly. Yeah, you're going to evaluate him fairly, realize he sucks at his job, and he's going to be sent on his way. He'll be mm-hmm. catapulted out of town. Right. This is kind of where it goes back to as good as Michael Reinsdorf's search was and the fact that Pax is going to be in the shadows out in 
Arizona or whatever the hell if he has his like a retirement summer home sipping on you know whatever he's going to be sipping juice. on gin and juice. Another thing that boil, on Gen Z ears definitely. Unfortunately, yes. Right. If you if, if those of you don't know, go um go listen to Snoop and come back and you'll be all right with that. Um, I don't think I know who Snoop is. <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Snoop D O Double Jizzle. <laughs> but you mean the guy in the Katy Perry video? Yes, exactly him. That guy. I just, I'm like, you know, Boylan could be making this stuff up, but you go back to what Michael Reinsdorf said about Boylan before the search started, that he was right. He was, he supported him. He was happy with, or something along the lines of, uh, he, well, he supported Boylan publicly. So Boylan could be playing the game as far as trying to get people into his corner and knows that Michael has publicly talked about him positively. So it could be that, or, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me either if, if Michael is actually telling whoever that he does support him. And that's, what's frustrating is you, you've got this momentum. Do and you then think he can, any of this could have potentially to do with Boylan's realizing his basketball mortality kind of thing as it were, because who's going to hire him? Not, I'm not even saying as a head guy, I'm saying as an assistant. Who's honestly going to hire him? Uwe Pui. How Pui? Uwe Pui. Indiana University, Purdue University of Indianapolis. All right. Mouthful. George Hill's alma mater, friend. Yes. I, I can't name another guy from Uwe Pui, but you it know. There's not. There's absolutely not. I, I got one deep on Uwe Pui alumni, and I'm, I'm done. But no, like, to, to that, Dan, he's... I have to watch what I say because he's still technically an employee of the Bulls. But he is a survivor. And he ain't going to give up. There you go. Destiny's Child. Again, for Gen Z, if you don't know who they are. Uh, Okay, if you're a guy, go look up Destiny's Child. You'll thank me later. Not just for the music, by the way. Uh, That's, yeah, that's that's young Beyonce. I just. Joe is collecting his thoughts. He's upset. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because I have to measure what I say about Boylan, apart from I think that he's just more than just a a bad coach. He's he's going to find a way to survive or try to, and he's going to throw everything he can in a situation, whether it's selling himself, whether it's, I think, bus-tossing people, uh, leaking things, trying to get people on his side. I, I, would, I don't know if he would manipulate or manufacture stories. I, I, I have no idea, but he's going to try to keep his job. And that's what I keep coming back to with these Cowley reports is how true are they? I don't know if I buy a lot of it, but it doesn't matter because if Karnaschovas and Eversley don't want him, that's what does. On the other hand, if Michael Reinsdorf and if Pax are leaking this stuff out, just get the fuck out of the way, please. Just This is where as much as you don't want them to be run like a fam, like a mom and pop stop. They're they're still trying to operate like a mom and pop stop. Yes, it's true. If they're actually doing this, if it's actually doing this, like you need to stop pretending this is a, a family business. It's not. It's a global brand with the third most titles in NBA history. I want to say, like, act like it. It's the same reason why, you know, 
as much as some people may or may not disagree with Dan Bernstein, he says it all the time. You have a standard set. You've got six banners hanging up in that that uh, that building. Raptors. Those those rafters. <laughs> there that you go. does that doesn't <laughs> nothing. Being in the playoffs doesn't matter. <laughs> Titles matter. God, rap, dude. This is why I'm a fireman. I can't. I can't. Think of <laughs> That's good to know. You can't think. Yeah. All right. Thinking is not my strong suit. I do my best with what I got. Good loving. Mm-hmm. So, what do you guys think about the 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 proposed uh, idea to to maybe have like Western Conference teams play in Vegas? And Eastern Conference teams play in Orlando and Disney, and then you know have two teams left kind of meet somewhere for an, an NBA championship, kind of like July one. Let this run out until like Labor Day. Take a few months off, draft, training camp, pop back up for a season sometime close to Christmas. Um, I mean, I kind of like the proposal, especially because it seems like. When you hear it, especially in comparison to what baseball is trying to propose, it just makes way more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, will it did come you, to fru- did you watch fruition? The yesterday? Uh, I was actually at a family event for uh, yeah. her father. I was gonna say, I don't know if if, if it was. I don't, I'm just kind of trying to think if it was weird to anybody because they didn't have any fans there, obviously, but they had the background just completely dark. So you couldn't even see like, you know, anything in the background, but then all the people who were working and stuff like that, they all had masks on. Obviously the fighters didn't have the mask and, and masks the, 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 uh, the referee didn't have the mask on, but you know, everybody else, did. I just wonder if that was weird to people. I didn't, I didn't listen to it with the sound on because there was no fans there. I didn't, I, I kind of was playing music when watching it, but you know, after a while you just kind of got numb to the fact that there weren't any fans in, in, the, in the background. I think the NBA would kind of be the same way. I think that's exactly what would happen. We're conditioned to expect there to be like crowd noise, cheering, booing, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if you were to just backdrop them out and just literally, this is the event, watch the event, mm-hmm. no one's no one's going to care. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think we're just so starved for sports at this point that we'll, we'll take anything. I, I mean, there's going to be a, a charity golf event in a few weeks on, on TBS <laughs> with Tiger Woods and, and um, Phil Mickelson and, and, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And I'm like, I'm fucking all in. I'm watching that, you know, because it's like, there's just, there's just no sports on it right now. So I hope the NBA is, is, is able to figure this out. I think logistically, um, if you've ever been to Disney world, it is massive. You can literally put 10 teams in Disney world and they will not be anywhere near each other. And they have the courts to do it because they build basketball courts um, because they mm-hmm. ran the, the the camps down there, and ESPN's got some stuff down there, and with Disney and stuff like that. So, you know, it makes sense. Vegas also makes sense. They run summer league there. They've got a couple of spots. They obviously they have uh, a Vegas ton of empty, the, empty, yeah. luxurious hotels right now to house players. So, you know, I I, I think it would be cool. I think Adam Silver is the right commissioner to to lead this charge. And, uh, you know, it's, I think the players would, uh, would want to come back and I think it would be fun to see. I mean, we already heard though that, you know, Kevin Durant said that regardless of, uh, what happens, he will not be back this season. The Nets were 66 to one to win the NBA championship. 
And uh, I definitely would have put a couple bucks down on that if I got a little bit of a word that Kevin Durant would be coming back with Kyrie Irving for the playoffs. Well, I'll, I'll give you 66 to 1 even if he did come back, Ross, because that team's never winning anything. <laughs> with the two most emotional superstars in league history, yeah, they're not going to yeah. win anything. Ever. I don't trust – here's the thing, though. I don't trust Giannis in the playoffs because I, I, I just don't trust stars who can't really shoot because as the playoffs happen – Everything just gets tighter and it gets more compressed on the court and defenses tend to key in a little bit more, which means that the Bucks would literally just be relying on the George Hills and Chris Middletons and Brooke Lopez of the world to hit big shots. And I'm just like, I, I can't I can't see that, you know. I, I, I would lean Well then you got White Dante hitting shots, all right? Right. Uh I would lead I would lead towards Boston coming out of the east and playing <laughs> it, the Joe. Lakers in the finals. Say it. White Dante. White Dante. You, you redheads stick together. Yes, we do. I'm bringing back ginger basketball. <laughs> I got I got Matt Bonner. I got White Dante. I got who's your who's your all ginger team? Who's your all ginger team? Scalabrini. Can I go five deep on ginger Walt, basketball? Is, Walt, is Walton technically a ginger or no? No, I don't want Walton on my team. <laughs> Why? No, Bill, Bill, Bill will take. I'll oh. take Bill. Yeah, I'll Bill. Take Bill. I was talking about Bill. I thought you were talking about Luke. Like, I don't want Luke Hell on my team. no. Why would I ever <laughs> suggest that? All right, so we got Luke at the five. We got Bonner at the four. Scalabrini. Scally at the three. Oh, God, we're getting real slow and white real fast. DiVincenzo. <laughs> DiVincenzo at the, at the four. Can Tom I get McCullough? Delonte as the one? Delonte's a, a ginger. You got Tom McCullough. Oh, Tom McCullough. Oh, my God. Speaking <laughs> of Eric Snow and those 76ers teams. God. All right. That's enough redheaded basketball for today. Luke Schencher. You have Luke Schencher? Can I is Kevin Love a, a ginger? Can no. I have Kevin Love? He's not. You can't just manufacture gingers. Exactly. <laughs> Damn it. I can't just manufacture gingers. <laughs> you can't just make up redheads. <laughs> I think uh the NBA starting back up. Ross, you know a little bit more about kind of like the logistics of it. I'm trying to. Oh my... shit! I get Blake Griffin. Fuck you guys. <laughs> oh yeah. There you go. Are you happy now? I, I I am. That you interrupted my train of thought. Sorry. And I can't get back on the rails. But uh, I um, I'm kind of just waiting to see how it plays out, just because uh, we just we still don't know. It's going to be interesting because it's going to be it's going to be pickup games. In a sense, it's just very competitive pickup games with things actually on the line. And I wonder how no crowd plays into how the players get adapt and get used to not feeding off crowd noise. There's no such thing as home court advantage anymore. And I don't know how much that's going to play if it if it even matters at all. And unless they just these guys get used to it really quickly because they've grown up playing in AAU and in gyms where there's not a lot of people too. So I'm just curious, though, if at, at the start, the no crowd for how they play and how what they feed off of. And, you know, with the last dance, how Rodman used to play up to the crowd all the time. You know, any player. Hey, there's another redhead that, I get. I get Dennis Rodman. Just, yeah. I, sure. I Dennis. Go no. I'm not going to disagree with you. You can have Dennis. <laughs> and Eva, God, you just keep. I'm here for you, Joe. Don't forget that. I'm just going to call you Nick Young because you just interrupt flow and offense and rhythm. But I score. 
sometimes. Sometimes. I, you're, you're also known for one of the most classic NBA gifts of all time. <laughs> <laughs> when he thought he Almost made it. three quarters of the way down the cylinder and came out. Damn. That's unfortunate. Yeah, so I mean. Yeah, I think we're at, the, we're at the point where we're so starved for, for basketball and for sports to come back. It's like anything. Go play. I don't care. Go play in high school gyms in, in Chicago, you know. Yeah. And well, Ross, Ross wants to watch Tom Brady play golf. I don't want to watch Tom Brady do anything but throw a football. And even then, at this point in his career, that's that's up in the air. I am all in for watching Brady and Milkison talk shit to uh, to to Manning and Tiger Woods for you know charity. I, I just want him to be like Andrew Luck talking shit, where anytime someone hit him, he'd be like, "Oh yeah, good hit, guy." He'd get up. <laughs> oh God, that's, this is annoying. As a defender, uh, what would you do if uh, before we wrap real quick? Uh, yeah. What would you do if you hit a quarterback and he just started to compliment you instead of talking shit to you? I'd get really mad, get really upset. Would you get Would you get more mad than if he talked shit to you? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, I think it's the mind game of I'm not I'm hitting him, but he doesn't seem to be bothered by it. Instead, he's congratulating you because he actually hey, wants. <laughs> Good it's job. Like, it's like it's like if you were to punch a Canadian in the face, they're gonna oh, hit you back. Man. They're gonna go, "Oh, that's a that's a good punch there, buddy." Eh? Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna really wrong with me. There is absolutely something really wrong. Well, I mean, you're we all know why. Yes, absolutely. Because you're a Cubs fan. That's why. Yeah, exactly. You know, at least I've seen a championship in the past decade. I was about okay. to say, I, I was about to say, you can go full on ESPN right now. You're just going to completely, like, forget about their 05 World Series. Or how about lack of a playoff berth since, what, 2008? You want to bring that up, too? No. <laughs> so, not, the, not, the I, not, not the 106 years before, though, right, Cubs fans? Hey, like, we're up, not going to bring in any of that stuff up. We're not even going to talk about that. Right. No. Those weren't my 106 years. <laughs> I mean, they were, but they weren't. <laughs> All right, so what happens this week? Anything NBA-wise, Bulls-wise? Are we just kind of probably do another, another quiet week? Probably another quiet week. Yeah. We might get, like, a director of analytics or something, but I said that last show, too, and here we are. Yeah. I think you might start to see some more information about uh, about how the how the – the season continue will be structured a little bit as you kind of get into mid-May and, and some of these uh, facilities start to open back up for players to kind of work out in and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean and we get we get seven we get seven and eight tonight of the last dance and uh, second to last week of of, of that uh, of that series and and I think we're gonna get some some more Jordan uh, competitive dirt coming out in these last couple of weeks and you're gonna kind of see the 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 asshole that he he claims that he is. No, well, that's absolutely true. But at least he owns it. I mean, I think you brought it up a couple of weeks ago, Ross. Where Michael owns kind of being a pricker and asshole, and sure. and LeBron, as much as he is one, is very passively aggressively one and tries to still act like he's this great dude. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Look, Michael's got six championships. He's got a a huge brand where. Uh, a pair of sneakers will still sell out on a Saturday within 30 minutes, and the guy hasn't played a basketball game in, in you know 20 years or whatever. I mean, he's 
you know, that him being a, uh, that the way he is, is has built, you know, one of the biggest brands in the world. So yep. that's why it's all fun to watch. All right. All so right. A, a new thing while we wrap, I know we're going to be rapping. Actually, literally rapping like like Snoop, like Snoop, like Dre, like M. Dan's new beatbox. I don't know what I'm going to really do other than act white and sit in the background and try not to look awkward. But I want to ask you guys, I'll, I'll kind of ask you guys a question at the end of the show based off of what we've talked about or something that's popped up in my head and just kind of kind of see how it goes. Let's sticking on Jordan, if you were if you had a chance to be like a Mad Rashad or, you know, Mike Tariq or Bob Costas and you sat down with Mike, what's the one question that you'd want to ask him? Anything. I would probably ask him um, who who were the players that who were the best players that he went up against and who were the players that he respected the most, like in battle, so to speak. Was it was it the Ewing? Was it the the Stockton? You know, was it Drexler? You know, because this Larry. man, right? Yeah. This man ended a lot of uh, Hall of Fame uh, players' runs. I mean, at the same time, you could go the complete opposite under that. Like, who does he think that is widely revered as one of the greats of, of the game of basketball? Who does he think is completely not belonging in that conversation that gets mentioned all the time? Like, could that be a way you go with it? I, I honestly don't have an answer for that question because there's so many ways you could go with that. I mean, I'd be tempted to ask, what led you to be wired the way that you are? Like there had, there's no one's just wired that way for just naturally things happen to build you into that. Like, so I'd maybe like to know why, what happened to him where he has this pathological need to not just beat you, but rip your damn heart out and stomp on it. You know? I mean, I think you can make the argument that it was his own organization in a lot of aspects. You know, that whether when he sat out um, with the but broken foot. But, I mean, he still hates that. the high school coach that cut him. That has nothing to do with the Bulls. See right. what I'm saying? Like, there, there's a lot of stuff there. Like, and I'm sure he would not – I'm sure he doesn't even probably know how to quantify it because there's probably no good way to. I just think there's – I'm curious because, like, I, I actually like the psychological aspect of athletes, like why people are the way they are within competition – and there's like some guys who just don't seem to care. Like whatever, I'm. <clears throat> if I win, I win. If I lose, I lose. And then you get the guy like the Jordans of the world, and then everything in between. I like it. What, what's the question you'd want to ask him? It's going to be a conspiracy theory, isn't it? But you're not going to get the answer out of him if you ask him. Why no, you're... I just, I just, I just said what my question was. Like, why, why is he wired the way he is? Oh, that'd would... be that'd be my question. Okay. Like what? Like what was the background that led you to be this kind of mentally make made up person? And I think he'd give you an honest answer too. That's that's why I'm posing this question. Is I don't think he'd try to obfuscate the 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 answer the the question. I think he'd give you one straight up as long as it's not a trap. You know, I think he just wants you to be straight up if you're going to ask him something. And I think he'll answer because we've seen it. Like Ross is right during the documentary, and you're right too, Dan. He owns being an ass. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I did this, but I thought this, 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 you know, I, we ended up winning, right? You know, so he is straight up about it. So that's why I was always curious, like, you could actually probably challenge him in an interview 
and really get down deep. And I think he probably would answer the questions for you. So that's off the top. And we'll just to kind of do this every episode. I'll either try to have a question in mind before the show or, you know, during the show, if something pops up and try to ask it at the end to dig a little bit deeper into uh, our psyche. Because as much as we talk about the Bulls and the NBA and stuff like that, we also want to let you into our world in a sense and my dumbass jokes and the fact that I can't stand Dan and how <laughs> Ross, Ross is really the, the true glue guy and the, the star of the show. And, uh, no, but it, like, you know, we want to kind of have some fun too and show off our personalities and why we think the way we think and why we are, you know, the way we are. Right. Now we're getting into an existential crisis. <laughs> we are. I am always having an existential crisis. So this has been episode four of the new rebranded out of retirement. We're in the four or five, three alphas. We don't know what's going to happen this week, but we'll be right here for you. If something pops off or we'll just, you know, go into next week and talk about whatever we want to talk about, because that's kind of what we do. So until next time, I'm Joe. That's Dan. That's Ross. We are the three alphas. We'll catch you on the flippity flip. The inbound the pass left. comes into Jordan. Right. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win it! Michael Jordan hits it at the foul line. One oh. to 100. Lead pass. Whoa! Oh. Stop it! Stop it! Don't do it like that! What are you doing, Dragic? Did you not get the memo? Derrick Rose can go upstairs. I want to go higher! Oh my goodness, Rose. Rose crosses over the fadeaway. Make me step back and kiss myself. Oh my MVP time. Randy City Assassin does it again. Gets past the bucket. Stolen by Noah. Noah on the runway. Noah with the right hand. It's done. Counted the foul. I don't believe what I just saw. Here comes Chicago. 17 seconds. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan. Open, Chicago with the lead. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship.